I'm thinking how God orchestrates everything in your life. You know he does. So we always think in terms of, well, who are we going to reach? What's the demographic and all this kind of stuff? And then you have missionaries in China that leave all their family, they leave all their friends, they leave everything that's familiar and go to a ridiculously busy place. I've been there many times and live in a tiny apartment and have the government go through your stuff and question you and all of that because it's illegal to do what they're there to do and that's to evangelize. And yet China today, right now, is surpassing the United States in the number of Christians that live there. And immediately makes you think Christianity thrives the best in an environment of persecution. We have no persecution. We look for every reason not to go to church. We look for every reason to complain. Well, it's really hot there. The air is never clear. There are 40 million people that live in Beijing and the surrounding area, just one city. There's all kinds of issues that there are not here. The food is different. All those things are different. And if you don't remember when you go on a mission trip that you are the mission and they are the missionary because they're actually sacrificing. I'm not talking about the missionaries there. I'm talking about the people that are Christians. They're sacrificing. They understand ministry. I do not see a lot of hope for America if we don't get it. I don't. I stand up here thinking we have to beg people to listen. The crowd is small, people are not interested. People don't wanna worship. We don't need music, we don't need entertainment, we don't need sets, we don't need to figure out who our demographic is. We need to yield completely to God wholeheartedly surrendered to God, emptied of self, and then things happen. As soon as church was over last week, I was just standing right down here, and an 18-year-old young man that came with, with Rebecca Evans, he came up and said, Pastor, I raised my hand. I want to talk to you. And my knee was bugging me, and I was tired. And I said, would it be possible for Nick to talk to you? And he says, no, I don't want to talk to Nick. I want to talk to you because I want to get saved right now. You know who's getting saved? People that feel there's no hope. There's no way. They're rejected. They're the casts out. They're the ones that feel weird. They're the ones that feel like they just don't fit. This week, one of Ed's friends, 20 years old, mixed drugs and alcohol, and his mom came into his room and found him foaming at the mouth, and he died within the next 24 hours. Asian young man. I think to myself, I have an Asian young man in my house. Every time we get in the car, he wants to sing Christian music. He's at a point where you can actually talk intelligently with each other because he sees in our house that we genuinely love God and that nothing's going to stop us from serving God. No matter what anybody says, it doesn't, it's not dependent on anybody else. We want to serve the Lord told us we should move 100 miles out of the city, did everything they could. And I said to my wife, it will still, the entire time that I am the pastor at Rock Church, we will have persecution from outsiders who hate the fact that I want to preach the gospel. They could say it's something else. That's not what it is. It's we don't like the fact that you want to present the gospel. We had a little revival service during our practice time, did we not? Well, last week we talked about the fact that there was something going on in Antioch. And where was Paul? My text, I go back to my text, which is in chapter 11, because I, I mentioned this last week. We left Paul in Acts chapter 9, and then Nick preached and said that Paul had gone down to Arabia to get away from it all. And, and commentators say that he was probably there like five or six years between there and going back to his hometown of Tarsus, which when you think of Paul, you think of Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus, way up here. 
Arabia down here in the desert. You have those back desert experiences. That's undoubtedly what this 20-year-old 20, 20 Asian boy thought this week. I just want to bury my sorrows in drugs, alcohol. And he was a nice kid. He was somebody's baby that grew up and lived in their house and was still living at home, but yet he found no reason to go on living? And did we share the gospel with him? Did we tell him there's life in Jesus? There's joy in Christ? That you have a purpose to live when Christ lives inside of you and you die to yourself, but when yourself rises up again, you come alive to the flesh and you become carnal and think there's no purpose and the devil convinces you that you'd be better off dead. Which if you're not a believer is not the truth. You're only off better off dead when you're a believer because there is no death. There's only transformation into who I am and who God wanted me to be in a transformed new body someday. And something was happening and Paul was hiding. He couldn't take it. I don't think he could take it from his family. He was a reject in his own family. And I don't believe that he could take it from the new Christians because they didn't trust Saul. He was a Christian hater, a murderous man that was on his way to Damascus, which is also in Syria, where Antioch of Syria is located, Damascus being the capital city, like I said last week. And then you look online of Damascus, and you look at Antioch, which I did, and you peel up the pictures online, which is right at the press of a finger, but we're not interested, and you see nothing but desolation and devastation, as was prophesied in the Old Testament by Isaiah that they would come to be desolate. They destroyed their own people. Syria is an ugly, murderous, abandoned place. And all the refugees left and went somewhere else because there was no hope there. Isn't that what's happening in our churches? There's no hope in our churches. There's only death and bickering and complaining and backbiting about this that you don't like and that that you don't like. And so death has come to America because the church is the only hope for America. Our founding fathers came here to be free from the tyranny of crap religion and government. And what do we have today? Boring, dead religion. Pastors getting up, even speaking the Bible, but with no authority and no power because they never wrestle with the Holy Spirit. They wrestle with whether you'll like it or not. This is a show. And I'm not afraid to rebuke our own praise man and said, you'd rather do this and you'd rather do that than do this. Do you know how easy it is to get up here and fake it and you've spent no time with God? Or you studied, but you didn't study the place with God, the authority of God on the throne through his word and on your knees. And so you have nothing, just words. Our churches are dead and empty. Those missionaries went back to China, even though months ago they were kicked out, their pastor friend was sent back to America and they lost their congregation of 100 people that they had worked and worked and worked to build. But let me just say this when it looks like God is not working and when your church is not full but you're still moving and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, people are saved and they're going and they're growing and they're telling their friends about Christ. That's how it works. It says in Acts 11, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that rose over Stephen's death, who Saul supervised, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. I didn't touch on this part last week. Hmm. So there's all these Jewish people that now experience the power of God at the death of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, where Saul was actually probably supervising the entire event, saying, stone him, he sucks, stone him, he's, you know, he's, a Christian, a believer in this heresy, the Christ that came and died on the cross and they said is resurrected. Those Jews that believed now were over in these 
other places speaking the word, but they were only doing it to their demographic. I remember when I started my previous church, one of the men who has a neighboring church, Daybreak, pastor used to be our neighbor, and he came to me one day and he says, you're starting this new church. What's your demographic? I looked at him and I said, everybody. No, you can't do it that way, he said. You can't do it that way. You have to pick a demographic. You need to study it, and you know who you're appealing to. Recently, we were told that the place that we're buying our church is the wrong demographic group, that we will never get any people to give any money because we've picked the wrong group in the wrong location. And I think that's the location God's going to work in. The one that we think is wrong is one that he thinks is right. And we're not just going to speak to upwardly mobile, middle-class people. We'll take all the riffraff. Look around the room. This is an odd church with an odd pastor and odd people, but God loves odd people. You can't just say, I'll just go to the people that I like. I spray-painted this little outdoor set, this wrought iron set that we had, and put these plants out there in church, and I stuck it out there and looked really nice. The next day, the table was gone. And my daughter, Danielle, says, Dad, that's because you're right on the edge of the slum. And I said, exactly where God wants us. Who cares if the table's gone? Same person that stole it's probably going to come to church. Oh, Yeah. Because people are stopping in there asking questions about the church. Listen, the power of God falls when you're not worried about whether you only get to speak to your little yuppie group or only the athletes that you want to hang out with, only the cheerleaders that are pretty, and only, only the perfect people. When Mason came last week and said, Pastor, I want to talk to you, it would have been easy to say, no, I don't feel good. I'm just going to leave. But he said, I want to get saved. And I thought the kingdom of God is for those people. Yes, it is. Not just any select demographic of people. And so they went to the Jews, and they would speak to no one but the Jews. But there were some of them, it says, some of them, some weird ones that um, men of Cyprus, the island of Cyprus, and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord's Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Ooh, come on, Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And the hand of the Lord was with them. The ones that would speak to the other people groups, not just their own peeps, their own crowd, you know. These, these are not my people. This is not my group. I don't appeal to them. I said Nick and I would have never been friends in high school because I cowered in fear of all the jocks. Seriously, they walked down the hallway punching little kids like me. You little wuss and trampling you in the street. Go, get up. And he says, I would have never done that. He wasn't mean to anybody. He says, and I believe that. But it didn't matter for me. I had a bad home life, and I had a bad self-image, and all I wanted to do was die. I would go to my room, even in high school, and cry and say, why did I get in a house with such a mean dad? Why does he have to backhand you all the time? You, you even say anything. Don't I have an opinion? I'm so bashful. God, you could never use me. And thank God that God took some of them and the hand of the Lord was upon them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The Bible says that you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and you will be saved. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, and only then, when you know that you are a sinner and there's no way and you believe that he died for you and you take him, are you saved? And a great number who believed. Because the devil believes and trembles. Just because you believe does not mean you go into heaven. No way. That doesn't mean you get to go to heaven. you got to be a receiver, not just a believer. Otherwise, you become a deceiver. If you're just a believer and not a receiver, you'll become a deceiver and you'll take other people with you down the wrong path. And I heard it this week. Last week, I told you this. <clears throat> the pastor who is pastoring... My church right before this got up in a sermon this week and said, I've told you many times that I don't know when I got saved. 
I can't pinpoint a date. I know he'll listen to this message, so I'd like to tell him this. You can know when you got saved. Because even though you might not remember the date, you'll remember the experience. It was not some gradual assimilation of some knowledge that brought you into the kingdom. It is a moment in time when you believed you believed with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind that Jesus Christ was the Messiah who came to die for Gary Peterson, who walked the halls in fear and got beat up and pushed down and realized one day, if I don't have you, Jesus, I have nothing. I have nothing without you. I could not sleep last night. When the ladies came back, I could not sleep. I was wrestling with the text, thinking, why is it that we think that we should have a big church? If something is not happening in your church who wants big it's just more people to beat up on me I've had enough of them I'm seriously God doesn't need any of us our good looks our beautiful little singing ability up here is worthless to God if he is not number one worthless the only time there's any power out of this praise team is when you have put God number one not the battle of the gains or anything else you get that it becomes phony it becomes phony the guy who started the battle of the games came to our church last summer are you here Nick he wrote a letter to us and said, this is what I need in my life. I need this, and this church has the power of God, and later defamed and destroyed me when he went back to the world, correct? Why is it, people, we think we need to be involved in all the community things that just seems so nice and so good and just appeal to our flesh? Where are the pastors that will go preach to anyone that have prepared their hearts in the word of God and are listening to what God is telling them and not just teaching knowledge. Do you want something more? You want more than just knowledge? Not everybody in here agrees. You know why? Because you like one foot in the world and one foot with God and one foot in the world and one foot with God. We want to go... Join the celebration and listen to our crap music and drink all we want and get drunk with wine wherein is excess instead of being drunk in the spirit of God because you've never experienced that. And so all summer long, you're back and forth and back and forth. And I can tell you something right now. The devil and all of his cohort demons are going to take you out. Yeah. Do you need to go on a mission trip to get refreshed with your relationship with God? Listen, a great number who believe turned to the Lord, and it says, the report, the talk of this came to the ears of the church 300 miles south in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas. Who sent Barnabas? Who sent Barnabas? The church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas. The Jewish church, what I'd call the Sanhedrin, sent Barnabas up north to Antioch of Syria. They sent him north. And this is what I think. They got report about the Hellenists and the Gentiles now getting saved. And they said, that's far enough. We've got to stop Rock Church. We need to stop that place. We need to stop these people. They think they can go on. Gentiles can't come into the kingdom. Jesus was a Jew. Only Jews can come into the kingdom. Hogwash. Hogwash. God was up to something new. God was up to something new. You get that? He was up to something new. He doesn't work the way you think he has to work. He works in new ways, Mr. Pastor of my previous church. New ways. But there is one thing that never changes. The gospel of Jesus Christ alone has the power of God to save. Only the true gospel. You must believe and not just believe. You must receive. Confess your sins and receive Christ at some point in your life or you're going to hell. You're a little profession of faith means diddly squat to a powerful God. By the way, God wants us to empty our churches of all the people that are doing nothing for God. Because they'll distract everybody else that wants to do something. We don't need your money. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Because those of us that have money get offended, and we won't come anymore. Then God will take the people that have no money, and he'll multiply it. 
and there'll be 12 baskets left over. Did you hear what I said? There'll be 12 baskets left over. You say, well, let's just, I'm pulling away for a while. Let's just see if you can do without me. I'm not trying to be mean and sassy. I'm not trying to be mean and sassy. Seriously, I'm not. I'm just thinking, you don't understand. God is God. That's his money you've got. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. You have what God gave you. It's not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in and, and your whole life and in your spirit. And so they sent Barnabas like a spy. But look what happens. Woo, God, this is such powerful stuff. I can't even sleep at night. I had to wrestle with this. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. Woo, God, my feet are set to dance, and I feel like I got dancing in my shoes. They won't sit still right now because every time I see the grace of God, I think, oh, my gosh, God, what are you up to now? You took that reprobate over there, and you made him into something new. Oh, the whole house was dancing. When he came and he saw the grace of God from down in Jerusalem where things were already going bad and people were spreading out of there and heading out of there because they were afraid they were going to get killed. When he saw the grace of God in Antioch, which was a outpost of Rome, one of the largest Roman cities in that day, the third largest, as a matter of fact, where all kinds of garbage was going on in Antioch. Read up about the city. What was going on there was they were worshiping the temple goddesses, and then they went out to this wooded area and would have sex with the temple prostitutes. And you say, why would Christians even go there? We're told by the Bible, by the word of God. Oh, we're told by the word of God. Separate yourself, brothers and sisters, because real revival comes in separation. We are separated people. A man walked into my Bible study one night, and he sat in the back because he had a meeting to pick something up from somebody, and the guy told him, you should come to man's Bible study. And he sat in the back, and I said, I am not a dispensationalist. And he left and went outside when I said it. He told the guy, I don't like that pastor. I don't agree with him. Everything happened to dispensations. Well, I'm not trying to be mean, but just because you want to believe your dispensationalism and I don't want to believe it doesn't mean that we can't be brothers in Christ, right? And so when, when oh, man, God, this is hot. Whew. When Barnabas got on the road and went up to Antioch 300 miles north because the church sent him to go spy out the freedom, that's what happens. People come to spy out our freedom and say, he offended me. Last Sunday when I came, I thought the music was too loud. I thought the women looked like Jezebels. I thought the men looked gay. I don't even trust that church. All he talked about was money. Listen, when you go to a church and you right away get offended, did you ever stop to think that maybe you're convicted and not offended? Maybe God's up to something new with you. Maybe God is saying to me, you got a tight grip on your pocketbook and you need to let it loose. I gave it to you or I'll make you let it loose. One of the men in our church came in this week and he, he I what, what are you doing? Because we were busy working around the building, painting and stuff. And he just said, just stop by to say hi. That wasn't why he stopped by. He stopped by because God is up to something new. God was up to something and said to him, the only time you prosper is when you're with God. The only time God blesses you in your finances in your new business is when you're in church, worshiping with the other believers and putting God first. And right there, he wrote out a check for $1,000, said, I don't have this. I start my new business and everything is, is touch and go, but I'm giving this out of faith. And I just thought, you just got blessed, God, buddy. You just got blessed because when you realize that God wants to do something in you and through you and you see the grace of God in your life, you see the grace of God. Do you see the grace of God? The grace of God has me standing here. I'll be 65 in just 20 days, my daughter told me. I'll be 65 years old. She's reminding me how old I am, and my body's telling the tale. Um, and I just think to myself, God, I attempted suicide at 21 years old by the grace of God. I, I couldn't sleep last night. I was restless. God, because my back was really bothering me, and I just felt like I, I had to wrestle with God, and God kept saying, remember the promise you made in Bible college? You were away from God. You almost killed yourself. You had gone down such a bad path, drinking and partying all the time, and God said, you're either going to live for me or you're going to die. And I 
I argued with God. I argued with God when God was extending his grace to me and saying, no, I'm calling you back to myself. You get up off your duff and you get busy for God. You will never be happy. You will never be happy just making money. You don't want money. You want the grace of God because that's the only way you can overcome. And you know my story. And I accepted the grace of God. And I made one major decision at that point. I will never, ever hang with people that are not moving toward God and help me to move toward God. I was a loner. I went back to Bible college. In my previous Bible college, I was student body officer. I traveled for the school, did all kinds of things. And I thought, it's all fake. It was all fake. It was just Barnabas going because he was told by the church authorities to go spy out what was happening up in Antioch. And when, when I went to the different Bible college, I met my wife because we were singing together in a little group. I had never dated anybody so godly. Never. God wanted me to have a wife who weeps over lost people, who would genuinely go on a mission trip because she wants to see the gospel spread to China or wherever. And you could sometimes say to yourself, well, you're making these mission trips. They're just big vacations. And I think to myself, no, we are the mission. God is doing something in us while we're there. He's changing us. He is proving his grace. And the Bible says right here, and when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. Not tearing them to pieces, not reporting back to Jerusalem. He And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man. You know what God wants? Me to get up here in my last years of ministry and to encourage you that you will only be happy, you will only find peace when you abandon yourself. You say, God, here I am. Here I am. I can only be happy in you, God. If that Asian young man had really known Jesus Christ, he would have realized he can overcome his desire to die in Christ. We must share the gospel. We have to. We must share the gospel because what was going on is this. Antioch was a wicked, wicked place. And some of those who were scattered because of great persecution in Jerusalem when they killed Stephen thought, we got to get out of here. And they knew that the place that they would be most accepted would be in a place of evil. Isn't that the oddest thing? Come on, you know it's true. Isn't it the oddest thing that when you're really struggling with your identity, who you are, and what's going on in your life, and you're really, 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 really depressed like I was, you go to evil. You go to drinking. You go to drugs. You start talking over-the-counter drugs with alcohol, and you, wake, you don't wake up. Your mom finds you foaming at the mouth because you couldn't find life. And you know what it says to me? We are responsible to tell them about Jesus so that when they're like I was on the top of the hay mile, shaking my fist at God, God said, I love you. I was shaking my fist and saying, God, where are you? And you know he was talking to me? He was, I just didn't realize it. He was saying, I have a plan for you now. It is to get out of the Arabian desert to get out of Tarsus. Don't worry about what your family says about you. Don't worry about what people in this city say about me because it's still happening. When you are trying to do something for God, you will be lied about. You will be set up. You will be persecuted. You will be hated. Don't let that take you out. Love those who hate you, the Bible says. Love your enemies so that they will see that God is in you and they will see the grace of God that even if everything my former church said was real about me, I only have one passion in life. It's if I'm going to live to live for Christ and if I'm going to die to be with him. And a great many people were added to the Lord. A great many people. We don't need to worry about a demographic. All we need to do is preach the gospel. And a great many people will come to the Lord, won't they? We don't need the latest techniques. We don't need big screens. We don't need displays. We don't need a praise band that looks like they're out of a magazine. We need 
We need the power of the living one, the Holy Spirit of God, who's in the house right now moving around and saying, I got you. I got you, I got you, I got your back, I got you, and the Spirit of God, and something happened. So it says, so Barnabas, because of what he saw happening, went to Tarsus, Paul's hometown, to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. It was a journey to go from Antioch of Syria over here to Tarsus. But when he saw what was going on there, he thought to myself, I need the most on fireman I can find to connect with me. You don't hear much about Barnabas. You hear a ton about Saul. I wonder what would have happened if Barnabas, when the Holy Spirit was working on him, hadn't said, I'm going to restore my brother. I'm putting my shoes on, and I'm going to walk all the way to Tarsus. I'm going to take my brother out of the pits of despondency. Are you with me? Do you know how many times people that are in ministry or brothers or sisters or lost people need encouragement, and we don't go? If, if Saul had been left over there in Tarsus and Barnabas had not realized that the need was too great for him and he looked for somebody that he could literally tag on to that the power of Jesus would wipe off on him. Who are you hanging with? Who are you most desirous of being around? It will tell you everything. You need to be around people who have the glow of the Holy Spirit coming off of them who don't care if they die. And Barnabas took Paul back with him. And for a whole year, they met with the church in Antioch in the middle of prostitution and evil and filth and garbage. The church became the church. And something powerful was happening. And something good was happening. And that was... The place, the Bible says, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Do you know what that means? It means Christ men, Christ-like. They were first called Christ-like, Christ men, Christ women, because the power of God was in that place. Something good was happening. Did you know, Mark Knowles says this in his book, at the beginning of the 20th century, about 71% of the, of the professing Christians in the world lived in Europe. By the end of the 20th century, that number had shrunk to 28%, from 71% to 28%. 43% of Christians now live in, not lived, live in Latin America and Africa. You know what's happening? God is on the move, on the move, hallelujah. But he's not on the move, so hot shot worship leaders. He's on the move through people who feel like nothing. People who feel like average guys, who feel like they should just be dead, who feel like they couldn't even talk, who feel like they've been trampled in the streets, who feel like you went to high school and you weren't liked and you were just an outcast because God was on the move even back then saying, I want you, I want you, the devil's fighting for you, but I'm going to have you. In 1900, Africa had 10 million Christians, which was about 10% of the population. By 2000, the number of Christians was 360 million, about half of the population of the continent. This is probably the largest shift in religious affiliation that has ever occurred anywhere. Christianity is still the largest, largest religion in the world. But you know where it's spreading? It has all moved from America to the south in Africa and Latin America I think it's interesting. It has moved to China on the other side of the world because we are lamos. because you don't want to even come to church. I have to beg you to come to church. For the praise band, I have to beg you to cancel your events that are more important to you than doing what God has supposedly called you to do. We're dead. The church is doomed in America. I'm here to tell you. People don't go to church because they want to change. They go to church because it's their duty. If it's convenient, I'll go to church. They'd much rather be out hunting. They would much rather be playing athletics. They'd much rather be, be making money. They'd much rather do whatever they say they have to do. 
You find out who the real Christians are by the ones that are literally by their life, by their changed life and the power of God in them are being used of God to bring others to Christ. The number of practicing Christians in China is approaching the number in the United States. You know what's going to happen in China? A young man or a young woman is going to raise to the top who is a godly, God-fearing Christian, and the country is going to completely turn to God. Watch. Watch it happen. God, please, I'm, I'm talking to you, our Father, and the Holy Spirit in the room. Raise up new young people that want to be powerhouses for God. Yes, raise up young people, God, that want to be powerhouses and are not interested in all their other garbage, their sports and their music and their athletic ability and their workaholism. We're destroying our nation. Now, let me say this. I had, this is not even a tenth of my message. But God woke me in the middle of the night last night and said, we're either as a church going to reach others or we should close our doors. There's no sense in being here. You know how I see it? I don't want a large church. I want to see an Aaron Cry, a Nick Skippers, a Dirk Roskam, a Danny Doom, and ladies, a Kelsey Doom, and a Lexi Peterson Skippers, and others. She'll always be a Peterson. Seriously. You know how else you know that you love God? Is when your kids look at you and they love God because they love you too. See what I'm saying? They're watching. Yes, they are. They're watching. They're watching to see. I, I watch my own son every time we get in the car. Josiah is 11 years old. He knows all the Christian songs. He's going to be a worship director, pastor. And, and she thinks he's still the cutest Chinese boy in the world. I don't want to lose track and lose focus. I'm, I'm speaking to somebody in the room here today that you need to make a decision. Yes, you do. You've dilly-dallied with God for some time now. You will end up dead, just like this Asian young man this week, if you don't surrender. God's on the move, but he's on the move right here, right now. He doesn't need preachers to go someplace and share the gospel. He needs you. He needs you. He needs you to talk to your friends. There's no reason that that young man should have died and gone to hell. If you're a real friend, you will tell your friends the truth. You will beg God. You will pester them with the power of God. They will sense it. It will come off your skin. When you're hanging out with them, you won't be able to hang out with them when they're doing their garbage because demons jump. Do you get that? Demons literally jump. They jump from them and tag onto you, and then you become one of their little works that destroys doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God. We're lay people in this church that can literally make a difference in people's lives, eternal difference. What are we doing? What are we doing, people? I am so worried about the future of our church. I would say it right now. Nick and Aaron are not ready. They are not ready. They were raised in a generation of easy stuff. Easy stuff, entitlement mentality. And if you think you're ready, when you preach the truth, you're going to get hammered. And not with alcohol. You're going to get barraged with hatred. It'll just be over. It was too loud. Yeah, he shouldn't be talking about money. I'm speaking to some young people today that are going to build the church in America. Turn these lights down and the house lights up. I don't care about, I, seriously, I could care less about, about all the formal stuff that we have to do. Can you take these down a little bit, Ed? There have to be some people in this room that are, be determined, are determined by the power of God that they're going to join with other people like the Apostle Pauls, and they're going to do something for God in this generation. They're not going to be taken out. They are not going to be taken out. You can't even amen. Ryan's the only one amening. You can't even amen because you don't agree, because you want to be mediocre, or because you're offended by something. I, t I, t I tell people straight up, this is what needs to change. People, people, listen to me. There's so much cronyism and petty stuff in our churches. Get right with your family. What in the world are you thinking? You don't even know that you'll have another day. Don't hold grudges toward anybody, especially not your family. Leave this place and go make things right with them. Don't even dare go on mission trips and then come home and think you're right with God if you're not right with your family. 
as much as lies within you, you should try to make it right. If they don't want to respond, there's nothing you can do about it. You could say it's their fault. No, it's your fault. If you're the godly one, you're the godly one, anything could happen and you won't get so offended that you'll be set on a shelf. You don't let that happen. Why is it that I honestly believe in our small group that's here today, there are numerous people that are not going to heaven? It's not by some profession of faith. It's by how you live your Christ life. If you are doing something for God, you'll be hated. Barnabas and Saul got pushed right from place to place to place. And now we call it missionary journeys. We call it modern missions because they went from this town to this town to this town. You know what happened? People started hating them. They dusted their feet off and thought, we're not quitting. We're just going to the next city. Right? Do you understand that? That's why we have all these missionaries is because they wiped the feet off, dust off their feet. This very couple came back to America. Their partners had to come back to America, and they went back without them. Are you hanging on somebody else's coattails for your spirituality, or are you just going to stand no matter whether your own family is not living correctly? And what about your kids? Seriously. You can't expect your kids to be anything for God if you're not anything. If you don't care, the day and age of real preachers is over. It's over because everybody's afraid that their churches will be small. Who cares? Isn't it interesting that our offering should be down, that we shouldn't get money for the building that we want to buy? We're making it. Out of the, I needed to raise a 157000 I figured, to go along with the 150 we have in the bank, I, we're, we are right now at 125,000, 125.5 out of that 157,000. This is what we need in our little church. We need to prove, we need to prove to everybody else. Listen, you need to prove to everybody else that what you have is not your own. God gave it to you. You're on loan. You're, you're on a major loan. God is the banker. Every day you live, it's a gift from God. What good is your money going to do if you die tomorrow? And what do you have in heaven? I'll guarantee you heaven is real. I guarantee you heaven is real. There's no question. Right as soon as you pass out of this life, you're going into the presence of God and you're going to say, he's going to say, I'm sorry, but you're tucked way back there in Hobelsville back there because you didn't lay up any treasures in heaven. You thought what you had was yours. Give recklessly. This is not about giving even this message. This is a prove a point to you. Not even half of our church has given a penny toward the building program, but it'll still happen best thing you could do for yourself is say, I'm going to stretch myself and watch God work miracles. He's going to work miracles. Well, I already tithed. We're not talking about tithe. We're talking about buying our own facility. We're talking about buying our own place. Ryan put a check in the box today or this week for $2,000. He doesn't have it yet. We're just holding it till he has it. Is he going to have it? You think you're going to have it? Do you expect anything from God? I expect things from God. The world wants to know that we believe. That, that every single young person that is alive deserves to hear about Jesus Christ. That our new place will be right on the edge of whatever'sville, according to my daughter. I think it's right on the edge of Antioch, which is full of sinful people who have loudspeakers on their cars that go up and down with hydraulics and are painted very bright colors. Seriously. I'm not even trying to be funny. They go by rumbling. I, I think to myself, is that the train or is that a Mexican's car? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. I'm out there. I'm thinking, I'm on the lawnmower. It's running, and I'm shaking. <laughs> I look over. It's bright red and yellow. It's like, oh, man, I believe I've been in Mexico. <laughs> and I think... I'd love to have a Hispanic church. Do you know where our teenagers are right now, today, right this moment? In Chapala. At a charismatic, Spanish-speaking, Mexican church. I love it. I'm charismatic in my own way. I just love it when the Spirit of God rips loose and just moves in our midst, don't you? Because God's on the move, man. He is on the move. He is on the move. He's loosening us up. And, you know, I want to say thank you to the guys and the, the people that have come over to help on the building. Ray, once again, spent an entire night painting the whole lobby ceiling black 
the place is starting to look amazing. Amazing. I can't even wait to get in there and experience the power of God in a truck repairs shop. Yeah, where trucks are being repaired. We're going to worship, and the whole place is going to shake. The power of God, I believe it. God, break us loose. Hmm? Break us loose. Take some people in the room. Um, Zach down there has a sweet spirit. I can already tell. And he was going to a church that literally is down to nothing. He was doing worship at a church. There are like 50 people left there, and it's an incredibly beautiful building in like that Cantwood area. I looked online. The last pastor was a female. He was a Baptist kid. He was raised Baptist, doing worship in this church. What makes a church die? Anybody have any ideas? What makes what makes what will make Rock Church die before anything else? Raise your hand. Yeah. Lack of the presence of God. Can you back these verses all the way back to the beginning? I I think this is the number one thing. Um, there there you go. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus. Keep going. And Antioch, speaking the word of God. But there was some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching Jesus. And the next phrase is crucial. And the hand of the Lord was with them. They weren't evangelists. They weren't pastors. They weren't trained there were lay people who said, here, Lord, take me. Get on the train. Here, Lord, take me. I'm available, and this is what kills me. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to Jesus. If we were doing our part, there wouldn't be an empty seat in here. But you don't need to come to this church because there's 5,000 other ones in this city. They all look just alike. Now, let me see. I really like the praise band at Holy Redeemer because they dress nicer. I do like coming to the rock once in a while because Dirk is cute. But I really like, shouldn't, it be, shouldn't the measure be this? I want, to work, I want to go where God is on the move. God is on the move. God is on the move. A mason is walking down and saying, I want to be saved today. Huh? Today. God, please, I'm saying this with my eyes open as a prayer. Please let us get over our pettiness. It is hindering the spirit of God's power to use you. Do you listen to me? Go to your family today and make things right. Go to your children today and make things right. Go to your spouse today and make things right. Shut off the garbage and put God in that spot. Open up the word of God and see if God doesn't do powerful things in you. See if God doesn't loosen you up. Loosen up your pocketbook and see if you don't figure, I didn't even need that money. Where in the world did that come from? There was a, I got a check in my pocket right here. Getting all squished today. But there was a semi-trailer on our grounds. We don't own it yet. We just rent there, but we're selling everything in sight. <laughs> We've made so much money there already. By He told us we could just sell the stuff. So there's a great big trailer there. We needed that off of our property. It was filled with, filled with all kinds of junk. And Ed's dad knows somebody who wanted it. He gave us 500 bucks for it. There's a tractor there, a, a semi-tractor. It's sitting on our property. We want it off there. and They won't take it. The owners don't want it. So Ray says, I think we could cut it in half. I could, I could cut it in half with my torch, and we could sell it for maybe a couple thousand bucks. When God's people get together, he provides from five loaves and two fishes and semi-trailers. And when, when, Listen, when you won't give, the rocks will give. When you, won't, when you won't surrender to God, God will make somebody else surrender, and the gospel will spread, and this place will be a hotbed for the Spirit's power and work. You believe it? Yeah. Ooh, God is on a move, on a move, hallelujah. I'm, I should be a Pentecostal black preacher. <laughs> God is on a move. 
And I'm not even trying to do it to be funny. I do it because I think that's who I am, stomping around praising God. Thank you for being the church. All those people have said, I'm going to give and I'm going to help and I'm going to do this because we get to collectively see God move in our midst, right? Are you with us? All right, on the way out, we need um, like uh, about 25,000 more anyway. We'll have it today. <laughs> yes. Would we have it out of 150 people? Yes. Pastor, you have squeezed me dry. You have just squeezed me dry. I feel like a lemon that's gone dry. Well, you were sour. That's the problem. <laughs> I'll turn you from being a lemon into a peach. <laughs> Oh, God, it's amazing. I just think he's going to call some other people out like Barnabas to do great things for God. Believe it, right? We only, I am praying this. It's, it's amazing how it's already turned out. You can't even imagine. And we don't even own it. So you pray for us because we're going to go to the bank and get a loan. We've been offered one already by a bank. And then we need to get to work on the auditorium part. So our architect gave me some drawings, and I sent them back with 5 million changes because it's going to be unique. And we're doing all the stuff for ourselves. God is on the move, isn't he? Yeah. Don't you want to be one of those people that get to be used by God? So I know what I was going to ask. Everybody in this room who feels God is really, really working inside of you to do something new. He wants to use you to do something new. And you don't even realize that what it is. Raise your hand. Because I think God's asking us to do something fresh, something new. Yes. Yes. Yes, Jesus, pour out your spirit among us now. As we leave all day today, may you follow us in your name. Amen.